through a book? Yes! It was like we were right there in the story. It all felt so real. Like I was watching Lena right there in the moment. Yeah. Wait, what? How? Why are you not more concerned about this? You're right. This is all very strange. Strange? We got flipped through time and space into an entire universe in a book to watch it like it's a Netflix special. It was a beautiful story. Yes, that's absolutely true, but that's not the point I'm trying to make. How are you so calm? I don't understand anything that's happening. Why are you doubting something in front of you? Haven't you always loved fairy tales? Look, clearly something very important is happening here. There has to be a reason we had the vision. There has to be a reason we can travel into stories. I think we are meant to be here and to do something together. I don't want to do this alone, but I don't want something to go undone. Please, can we just explore a little more? All right. I'm with you. Thank you. Well, I can't let you have all the fun. (laughs) So, what do we do now? I'm not sure. I feel a little disoriented after the story. Is this the same place we found the book? Uh, no. We seem to have come out in a different part of the library. I wonder if there's another book around here or some kind of clue. (gasps) Maybe if we just... Oh, Jenny. Jenny, shh. Don't move. Why? Oh, Oh, God. What is that thing? I don't know, but... Oh, oh, oh. It smells terrible. I think I'm going to vomit. Don't. I don't think it spotted us yet. (gasps) Never mind. Okay. Okay. No sudden movements. You know all the magical creatures and stuff. Please tell me you know what this is and how to deal with it. I have no idea how to deal with... A shadow dog? It's too big for a grim. It wouldn't have as many rows of teeth. I don't think we have time to study its anatomy. So let's just slowly back away. Run! Push over that stack of books. Keep going. Listen, that way. Oh, God, it's ganging on us. Another book? What's this one? Agent Greta. No time, just jump!
Please note, this episode contains depictions of transphobia, including purposeful misgendering by a parent. H and Greta by Reed S. Herod Part 1 Once upon a time, there were two siblings who lived in a small wooden house deep in the forest. The older sibling, H, was nine years old, and they spent many of their days in sadness. H was only happy when they were exploring the great woods that surrounded the house with their little sister, Greta. The two of them could play for hours among the tall, twisting trees and never got lost or even frightened. Greta was seven. She loved to teach herself new things by reading books about science and about people who lived exciting and different lives. Greta and H were homeschooled by their mother. Greta liked it all right because it meant she could get lots of books from the library every week and sometimes even request a particular lesson topic. H did not like learning at home. They yearned to make friends at school, but mostly they hated it because they did not get along with their mother, or their father for that matter. One overcast day, a bored H took the kitchen scissors into the bathroom to trim their hair. It started out as just a little trim, an inch from the right side, an inch from the left. They hopped up onto the counter so they could cut the back of their hair, one eye carefully trained on the mirror. Snip, snip, and suddenly it was uneven again. They made the pieces around the front a little shorter too, but when they cut one side too high, they had to fix the other side too. Suddenly, H's haircut was no longer an unruly shoulder bob, but an entirely new situation with no name they knew of. It looked almost like a long haircut for a boy, they thought, but it was longer in the back. Better to quit now before they really messed it up. H didn't know how to feel about it at first, but eventually decided they liked it. It was kind of weird, but it was their own doing. And for that reason, it was the best haircut of their life. H did a few poses in the mirror and imagined big cameras flashing. Then the door opened. H's mother stood in the doorframe. That's where my scissors are. And then... What have you done to your hair? Bill, come here, see what she's done. Mother was in tears. This is too far. It's too much. She was fully crying now. I've tried so hard with you. It's like you don't care at all about how I feel. Do you remember when you embarrassed me at Grandpa's funeral and ruined the photos by being the only girl not wearing a dress? Not only do you have no respect for the living, you couldn't even respect the dead. Without this, I can't even fix this. I don't know what to do with you. I really don't. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It was by accident. I was just trying to... Enough. Father squeezed past Mother through the doorway and faced H. He sighed. People ask us questions when you behave inappropriately. There are the outfits, the, the ridiculous nicknames, and now your mother calls me in here because you've been cutting your own hair like that. His voice grew louder. How am I supposed to explain you to people? You don't have to say anything. 
You don't have to explain me. H saw the look on father's face and reconsidered. Um, maybe you could say I'm a girl with a weird haircut. It's not that far from the truth. Mother interjected. It is the truth, You are a girl and we should not have to beg you to look and act like one. I think you're confused. You can't just do these kinds of things without asking. If I asked, you would never let me and you know it. If you live under our roof, you will follow our rules. Maybe I don't want to live here, H offered quietly. You don't want to? You don't have to. You are an embarrassment to this family. Mother took another step toward H and took the scissors from their hands. Supper is served in 20 minutes. I expect you gone by then. H silently fumed down the hall to their room, which they shared with Greta. When H burst through the door, Greta fell over backward from her obvious eavesdropping post. Greta's eyes pricked with tears. She whispered, H, please don't go. Where are you going to go? Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. She fell to her knees, hugging H's ankles close to her and nearly toppled her sibling to the beige carpeting. I'll be fine. H pried their legs free from Greta's grip and went to the closet. H took out their sleeping bag and unzipped it. Inside, they carefully laid out a few changes of clothing, a flashlight, and their favorite comic book, Lumberjanes. They took a half-eaten granola bar from their dresser and shoved it into their back pocket. They carefully rolled up the stuffed sleeping bag, tucked their pillow under one arm, and hugged Greta goodbye. H was not yet four minutes into the woods when they heard a twig snap close behind them. They turned around, but no one was there. One minute later, they heard a stiffly stifled sneeze. This time they whirled around just in time to see Greta leap behind a tree. I can see you, you know. H shouted, Greta, I saw you. H didn't call her Greta at home. Greta was her magic fairy name that she used when they played in the forest. But sometimes H called her Greta when it was just the two of them, even if they weren't playing pretend, just because of the way her eyes lit up when she heard her magic name. Greta might not know exactly how much it hurt that their parents never called her sibling H, but she did know how good it felt to be called a special name you picked out yourself. And when H and Greta were alone together, they could call each other anything they wanted. And H knew that Greta loved to be called Greta, so that's what they did. Greta peeked out from behind a tree, a mischievous smile creeping across her face. Come on, I'll show you where I'm going. You can help me set up camp. H picked up rocks as they went. Greta followed suit. Every 50 feet or so, they assembled three rocks into a small cairn. So you can get home safe, H explained. I'll ever get lost, insisted Greta. But I'm not coming home with you this time, remember? So it's just to be extra safe. I can take care of myself, Greta yelled. It's just in case there's a tricky elf nearby that leads you off course, deal? Greta pouted. Fine, deal. Eventually they found a nice sheltered spot to set up camp. Greta helped H unroll their sleeping bag. They took the pillowcase off the pillow and moved H's belongings from the sleeping bag and into the pillowcase for safekeeping. When Greta set off toward home, it was dusk and the forest air was misty. Here, take my flashlight, H insisted. But you need that. Maybe you could come back tomorrow and bring it with you. And maybe you could also bring me some food. Very sneaky. 
Greta brightened at that idea and turned on her heels after giving H the tightest hug she had given anyone in her entire life. Each lived at their little campsite in the woods for two weeks. Greta returned every day with peanut butter sandwiches, pockets crammed with baby carrots, and whatever else she could carry. She ferried a water bottle back and forth as many times as she could manage each day. When it rained, she stole a tarp from the basement. She even got the new Lumberjanes book from the library, and on that day, H jumped up and down with giddy anticipation. Greta beamed with pride. She was doing an amazing job being H's magic little forest helper. When H ran out of clean clothing, Greta searched online for videos about how to do laundry. She couldn't find a time to throw her siblings' clothes in the washing machine unnoticed, so she filled up the bathtub and did her best with soap, bubble bath, and conditioner. She even managed to sneak a rope from the basement so that H could dry their clean laundry in the sun. But before Greta could make it halfway down the hall from the bathroom, she stopped in her tracks. Where are you going with that? Greta froze. I, um, nothing. It's because I need to play with it outside. Mother narrowed her eyes. We don't play with the laundry basket outside. You've been spending an awful lot of time outside lately. Come on, you still haven't finished your math worksheet from this morning. Right now, please, hand me the basket. No. Um, I mean, there's one thing I need to put in it. I'll be right back, Mommy. Greta turned and ducked out of sight into her bedroom and quickly shoved H's dripping clothes under her bunk bed. When Greta was finally able to slip out and make her delivery that evening... The still wet clothes smelled musty and they were covered in damp, stringy dust bunnies. Yuck, was H's only reply. Okay, I'm not your maid, H. You know that, right? I'm actually probably the only kid in the world who can do laundry, so you can cut the attitude, Missy. Greta, you can't call me that. What? You're being a bossy pants and I'm trying my best, H. You can't call me Missy because it's a girl word, H mumbled. Oh. I didn't know that. Sorry. Greta felt her cheeks flush. It's okay. You're seven. There's lots you don't know. Greta blew a raspberry and ran off. The damp, dusty clothes weren't so bad, H decided. Even with gross laundry, H still preferred the solitude of the forest to life at home. But soon it started to get very cold at night. They would wake up shivering and shaking in their sleeping bag, the feeling drained from their fingers and toes and the tip of their nose. Greta's deliveries of blankets, water, and one to two scavenged meals per day were not going to be sufficient. H packed up their belongings early one chilly evening, made their way home, and sat down for dinner. No one said anything about their absence. The only comment they got was a reminder for Mother to take a shower that night. Their hair was too greasy. So H ate their dinner, showered, and moved on as if nothing had ever happened. Once the earth had frozen over three times and snow was a frequent visitor, it was time for end-of-term reports. Two other local homeschooled families came over and crowded into the living room. They spilled onto couches, chairs, and the floor, and the third graders took turns delivering their presentations. 
When it was H's turn, they stood and faced the crowd. They read the title of their two-page handwritten report. The Most Common Lies on the News About Transgender Laws. H was proud of their report. They had the idea when they overheard a segment about trans people on Fox News. Two angry people were yelling back and forth about bathrooms and protecting children and fights over school rules and new laws. H did careful research online for weeks and used their social studies report to address and correct the lies they heard on Pox. As H delivered their presentation, they watched carefully as their mother's jaw tightened and their father's face flushed crimson. H held their breath the rest of the day. To their surprise, neither parent said anything about the presentation. After dinner, H and Greta sat together on Greta's bed, the lower bunk, watching a movie on the iPad. Greta stood up to get a glass of water, but when she opened the bedroom door, she quickly shut it. Silently, she beckoned for H to join her. When H didn't see, she whisper shouted, H, get over here, quickly. H scrambled across the room, and Greta motioned them downward. The two siblings silently sank to the floor and arranged their bodies so that each had one ear pressed to the small space under the door. They could hear bits and pieces of their parents' conversation. Not natural. Other options. Too young. We need to listen to the experts. Waiting too long could quite a drive. We owe it to her, to ourselves, to testimonials. Straight pathways helped me to see myself for what I truly am. Reparative therapy is the only tried and true. Physical and clinical guidance. Anything that could help. Transgenderism is sickness, Bill. Pricey. Can't afford not to try. Young, but... Right here it says Christ-Centered Re-Education Program. At least the winter session enrollment. Greta and H looked at each other, wide-eyed. What the heck is a re-education program? Whispered Greta. She flew back to the bed and knelt before the iPad. Greta typed with her index fingers, spelling each letter out loud until she had written, Straight Pathways. H climbed up next to Greta and corrected her misspellings. There, now we should get some results. They clicked and clicked until they had found something that made sense. The website advertised an expert-led, Christ-centered re-education program for youth struggling with gender identity confusion and sexual identity concerns. H wriggled under the covers and held Greta's owl pillow tight to their stomach. You read. I I can't look at it. Greta spent the next eternity typing, clicking, and reading, silently sounding out the words. Eventually, she told H what they had already gathered, that their parents wanted to send H to a religious conversion therapy program. She looked up lots of new words as she read article after article, which was usually something she enjoyed. But these new words had scary definitions. These weren't exciting new adverbs from a fantasy book or the perfect scientific vocabulary to describe the motion of birds in flight. The words pseudo-scientific trauma and suicidality swam in her head that night as she tried desperately to fall asleep. H was already fast asleep crammed between Greta and the wall, their knuckles white as they continued to clutch Greta's owl pillow to their abdomen. This was the first time that H had slept in Greta's bed by choice. It had always been at Greta's request before, when she was afraid of the dark or the too close sounds of their parents shouting. 
Greta was so sad for her big sibling, but she felt grown up and brave to be watching over H as they slept. Two days later, Greta again found herself with her ear pressed to a door, only this time she was alone, listening to Mother on the phone with straight pathways. Greta had since taken over all official eavesdropping duties. She and H had mutually come to this decision, so as to not give the adults any more reason to send H away from home. Greta stood perfectly still in the hallway closet. It was dark, even with the light on, but she wore her sunglasses to get into the mindset of a real spy. She took notes on a pad of paper as she listened in. You said she'll be with other girls her age? Mm-hmm. Yes, nine years old. I did the deposit on mine yesterday. I just wanted to confirm you received it. Okay. Yep, I'll, I'll check for that email. And drop off is morning on the 28th? Sure, sure. <laughs> well, we can't thank you enough. <laughs> and we'll be able to call her. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks. You too. When Greta snuck back into the bedroom and gave her report to H, it was obviously bad news. But the good thing is, I found out the day when it starts. So we know when we have to leave by. Leave by? Are you serious? Of course I'm serious. When am I not serious? Actually, don't answer that. We have to run away and we have to do it soon. I need you to help me look at the calendar to make sure, but I think it's really soon. I think we need to leave really soon. Greta and H rode in the back seat of their father's truck on the bumpy dirt road. The familiar turns jostled their limbs and they felt the pull of inertia as they rounded the last dirt corner a little too fast before the wheels bumped over the lip onto the paved road. Greta loved centrifugal force, which she will have you know is one type of inertial force, which is also sometimes called a pseudo-force or a fictitious force. She loved it because it could feel so real, like some invisible power was actually pulling her to the right as they turned left, but it was also a fake concept at the same time. It was just a trick of her own perception as they rounded the corner and the mass of her body obeyed Newton's first law of motion. Greta loved teaching herself about physics, ever since her first memorable encounters with gravity. The laws of physics were perfect and fascinating and you could always count on them to explain things. H was not a fan of centrifugal force. Feeling their body pulled hard in one direction just because their father drove too fast was annoying and made them car sick. As the car heaved onward, the trees of the forest began to thin. H exhaled onto the cold window and dragged their fingertip on the foggy canvas. H first drew a bird, then a house. Then their name. They wiped it blank again with their shirt sleeve. The car turned with a lurch onto the next road, the one with the two collapsing barns. Soon they merged onto the main road and in a couple of minutes they found themselves at the Allmart Superstore. It was pretty much the only store for miles. It was where you went to get groceries, sad last minute birthday presents, kitchen appliances, and fans. Basically, most things you wouldn't go looking for at the farm supply store. Get a gift for your mother, father instructed as he pulled into a parking space in the enormous lot. It's your birthday tomorrow. Pick out something girly to be for me and get a card. One with the words in it. 
He reached for his wallet and handed two bills to H, then a third. In here, get yourself a new notebook and a suitcase if you see a cheap one. You'll need them for your schoolwork next semester. Greta groaned under her breath as she unbuckled her car seat and opened the door, then jumped to the ground in one fluid movement. Her boots landed in a slushy puddle with satisfying sploosh. H slinked out the other side, and the two of them trudged their way across the parking lot and into the store. H, we need to leave soon. We just got here, but yeah, we can be fast. H got a cart and pushed it down aisle one. You know what I mean. We need to leave. We need to make a plan for how to escape before... that bad stuff. H was silent. And I know... I know you keep saying we don't have the money, we don't know where to go, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to be a perfect plan. But you have to go soon, or you're going to go there with this suitcase we're about to buy. And if you don't say yes, then I'll run away myself, and you'll still be miserable, but you'll be all alone. So I think you should come with me. Greta, don't do that. You don't even know how to make yourself food. I can make food. I make cereal every morning. Let's just get the stuff. I'll think about it. How about this? Greta suggested. She held a purple pajama top with a sequined sheep jumping over a fence and pants with little purple sheep jumping over stars and moons. That's not for grown-ups, replied H. It's in the kids' section. Come on, we need to hurry up. I don't want Daddy to be mad at us for making him wait. But what if we got it for... me? Greta looked at H with her best puppy dog eyes. H shifted their eyes around the store. Empty. Too empty, they thought. There weren't usually that many people around, but this was pretty weird for a late afternoon on a Thursday. Put it in your coat, they instructed quietly. We'll stuff it in the suitcase before we leave. Greta was quick to obey these thrilling orders. H and Greta collected a nondescript birthday card, a ruffled magenta scarf, a notebook, and a large duffel bag that was 20% off. They stealthily tucked the pajama set into a side pocket of the duffel bag. It crossed both their minds to pocket some other items for the as-of-yet-undetermined escape plan. But they didn't want to press their luck with stolen goods, and putting an unapproved item on the receipt was out of the question. H started to steer the cart toward the cash registers, their chin just barely resting above the handlebar. Greta darted between her sibling's body and the cart, and hooked her fingers through the wire grid, jumping aboard with one foot and pushing off with the other as if maneuvering a giant scooter. H let go, and Greta shrieked with delight as the cart rolled across the speckled flooring, her short hair rippling under the fluorescent lights. H jogged to catch up. <laughs> okay, slow down, H said, laughing despite themselves. We seriously need to go or Daddy could be mad. Greta countered. Daddy has always annoyed at us anyways. Let's just have some fun. Come on, grab your own cart and I'll race you to the beans. H, please. <laughs> H deliberated a moment. Sorry, not today, but I think I can make it up to you. Greta grinned. What are you going to do? You going to give me a present? H whispered a promise in her ear. I'll run away with you. And Greta could not have been happier. As they checked out their items, H noticed the cashier giving them a strange look. What are you two doing shopping all alone? Our dad is in the car. He, um, he has a bad knee. H supplied quickly. Each paid and Greta bundled up their things, shoving all the smaller items into the duffel bag. They each took one handle of the bag, although it was not very heavy, and made their way out of the store. 
When they got to the parking lot, Greta shrieked. The car isn't here. He has to be somewhere. He wouldn't just leave us. No, he, he's not here, H. There isn't even anybody else's car here. There are no cars here. H was struggling to believe their eyes. Um, I just said that. Not even for the people who work here. Come on, tell me. Greta dropped her handle of the bag, grabbed the nearest shopping cart and pushed off, careening between potholes and over cracked pavement across the parking lot. Hey, wait up. H took off after her, cradling the duffel bag to their chest. They did not bother to look both ways. When they reached the edge of the lot, they bent over, catching their breath. Greta was standing perfectly still next to her cart. H and Greta looked at the road, or rather, they looked for the road. It was no longer there. listening to Feminist Fairy Tales, an audio drama podcast that reimagines the genre of fairy tales through a feminist lens. This episode was performed by April Lichtman. Episode script by Reed S. Harrod. Sound design by Tal Minier. Feminist Fairy Tales is produced by Jenny Bissell, Madeline Regina, and Emma Love. Theme music composed and produced by Juliana Marin. there. This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.